What is going on, everybody? I have uh, been working on an edit for this week. Uh, it is, well, it was International Women's Day on March 8th, 2020 here in Australia. I didn't really do much research beyond that because I guess it's sort of local, but I believe this will happen. This happens all around the world. <clears throat> so there's a little bit of a half-assed lookup. I should have probably done that. But anyways, the uh, the theme is each for equal. And, you know, and it's one of those things I, I struggle with not with the fact of uh, that women should have equal rights. I, I have not struggled with that part. I've just struggled with the um, the inequality uh, component. And um, I think when I was younger, I don't know that I necessarily understood the inequality side of it. But as I've gotten older, um, you know, it's one that you have to wrestle with. It's it's you know, I I will be the first one to say that my privilege is insanely. Um, uh, at the top end, uh, you know, white male from a Western world. I don't think it gets much easier than that. The world is my oyster, so to speak. And, you know, it's not that I look at the world this way or understand the world this way, but it's what I'm told is is the way that it is. And, um, you know, it's a choice to, to look at the world in that way or a choice to uh, take advantage of the world when it's kind of laid out that way. And um, kind of getting back to this, this sort of uh, recognition of, of females uh, in not just the workplace, but in life and the equality component of this, um, you know, I've always been an advocate. Um, I think that it comes from the fact, and I think my kind of in a weird way, my blindness to a lot of this has to do with the fact that I kind of see us all as just humans. Um, and it's one of those things that I, I, I'm not trying to minimize that there is uh, a difference or that there are differences or that there is inequality. I, there is. It's, it's, a, it's a fact that this exists in, the, in, in many aspects of our you know, sort of lives, everyday lives, if you will. Um, there's inequality uh, beyond just men and women. There's inequality el- everywhere. And you know, one of those things that I often uh, boil this down to is, is it's the choices that we make. You know, we choose to you know, divide the world up. We just, we choose to classify things. We choose to say that this is better than that and that this is something that, um, you know, should be the way that it is and this is the way that it shouldn't be. And, you know, we've all, all kind of, you know, operated that way. And I think there was a point in time where that probably made sense to do so. You know, there may have been inequality for the sheer purpose of survival at one point, but the world has changed a lot since then. Um, and, and now we live in this world. When I set out to do this podcast, I wanted to have a balanced view of interviews. I wanted to interview both men and women, um, mainly because I find that it's a better, more informed approach to understand, you know, the sort of ideas of what I'm talking about, such as um, emotional intelligence, self-awareness, mindset, mindfulness, all these things, you know, from both uh, you know, groups of people, I guess, are gross, I guess, bro- both of the sexes, the genders, um, you know, and, and in a weird way, you know, it was intentional to do so because how could I possibly deliver this entire thing from the male perspective? Uh, it would be ridiculous. Like, what's the point? <laughs> it's, it's just kind of boring to just hear guys talk about stuff. I mean, that's what guys do when they're with guys. Uh, I want to know more about everything. Uh, I want an unbiased, balanced view of the world, and and I seek to have information uh, presented to me and present to others in a way that allows us to have a more uh, broader sense of the way that things work for everyone. So in this week's episode, I have you know put together what I guess, for lack of a better description, a bit of uh, some key moments in the interviews I've done with the women on the show, and uh, it's one of those things that. I, I was always struck by one, their willingness to say yes, and then two, the stories that they shared and the the journeys that they've been on, um, all very unique to themselves, but also very similar to anybody else going through life. Uh, we all have to battle our way through this mess of the human condition, and we all have to find our way to get to whatever that successful point looks like, whether that be a job or relationships or whatever it is. We all have to find our way, and. And that led me to, you know, picking this sort of moment with Kia Hickson, uh, where she literally had to figure out in her life through one of the mini journeys she was on uh, what she was doing. And, and she asked herself one simple question. What the fuck are you doing, Kia? And here is that uh, moment where we kind of walked that out. 
Yeah, and that speaks to exactly the whole thing, right? So if you're mm-hmm. not doing what you need to do to move forward or get where you're trying to go um, by being comfortable or confident or whatever, and you need to do to flip those switches inside, you're not going to get where you want to go anyway. So you'll be holding exactly. yourself back worrying about shit. Um, yeah. So superannuation, transitioning over, doing a thing. Um, mm-hmm. What was driving you? What were you looking for in, in kind of potentially starting a business or being part of starting that uh, business of um, sorts? So, yeah. So basically... I was doing graphic design on the side. So Mm. from 18 till about 23, um, I had done very office-based roles, Um, was a legal secretary Mm. and then personal assistant. Um, And I was doing graphic design on the side because, well, I was always really into computers. Mm. Um, I was always really into design. And so the combination of those things were almost like keeping me sane in a way. Because, you know, office jobs, it's very monotonous, monot- mm. monotonous. <laughs> monotonous. I should, shouldn't monotonous. use big words. <laughs> no, no, you should. You should totally do it because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, and I found myself in most of these roles, mm. like automating what I could or optimizing. And so I always had this like gear toward using technolo- technology to mm. optimize or enable me to do more of the stuff that I enjoyed doing. Yep. And um, I had actually gone for a a role as an executive assistant at this superannuation place. And I was already working quite closely with the CEO at the time and um, had kind of sat down and spoken about, you know, I'm going to apply for this. And it was like, oh, positive. Yeah, yeah, apply. And so I didn't end up getting the job. Mm. And I had this moment where I just thought, like, what the fuck are you doing, Kia? Like, Mm. you don't even like this work. Like, you know, when I think of myself in five years, do I want to be known as an executive assistant? And for me personally, like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with those roles. But Mm. in my head, I just, like, there was so much more that I wanted to do. There was so much more that I wanted to learn and, and step away from stuff like that. And so I kind of went through a big pivot Mm. and um, had what we call like a passion exploration (laughs) session where I wanted to figure out what my next move was. And Mm. so I had this like big, long conversation one night um, about the things that I love doing and what excites me. And it was Mm. like fashion design and it was all this creative stuff Mm. um, until um, someone said, well, what about web development? And now at the time I was like, you know, what is web development? I had no idea. Yeah. And then we kind of discussed it and it was like HTML, CSS. And I was like, oh, I know this. Like, yeah. you know, back when MySpace was a thing, that was my jam. Like I was like creating myself custom templates every week. And mm. my friends were like, where'd you, get, where'd you download that template from? And I'd be like, oh, well, I made it myself. And, you know, and then I would make one for them. And so I was like, wow, like this is, you can have a job with this. Yeah. Um. And then that kind of put the wheels in motion to go and study uh, software development with a with General Assembly in Sydney. Mm. Um, so you know, I, having a business at that point in time wasn't even on the radar. Mm. Um, it was after I had graduated that when the the kind of opportunity arose, and and yeah. So then, oh right, so then then it just became an execution of GA. That's right, and so and I do remember <laughs> the the sort of identity sort of thing because we did talk about that back then as well like you know you were struggling with trying to figure out who you wanted to be but where you were at was definitely not it you know and and i guess like one of the i guess if i could ask a question about that you know you get it like if you broke down what were where where were you lost right was it just the situation you were in or was it the the sort of contextual nature of the the work or like the reality of what that would turn into like what was going on up top um I think up top like in my personal life so like I had just I had split up from like a three-year relationship where I was Mm. engaged oh yeah, yeah and I lived this um quite you know party lifestyle on the on the boat every weekend like very um you know because I was working these admin jobs I wasn't very serious about them so then my weekends were just like letting loose and um all of that stuff and growing up as well so 
it was yeah it's it's really interesting now that I think back to it because I've up until now I've always kind of been like survival mode chameleon Mm. mode Mm. um and so when I was kind of at that point in time I was one trying to understand um who who I am um and what does that look like for me like do I really care about doing my fake tan every week? You know, right. do I really care about um, making sure my hair is dyed this color and um, transitioning into something that I wanted more purpose and more meaning and I was more comfortable in my own skin doing? Mm. Um, and I think also, you know, I was seeking some, uh, what's the word, like, I think like some validation from mm. from others that you know I was more capable and I was intelligent and switched on and um like valued in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like some sort of value or a feedback loop that you yeah. were looking for something to say, "Hey, if I do these things or when I'm doing these things, is it right? You know, yeah. am I going in a way that works?" Um but what I recall was is like when we call this sort of pivot, you know, as well where you just literally flip the switch. You know, mm. and I thought that was super, <laughs> super hardcore. And I thought it was, you know, awesome as well. Um, yeah. You know, where you then kind of transition down a different path, you know. And I just was like, well, you know, if Kia can do it, then we all got to figure <laughs> out how to do it, right? You know, like for yeah. me, it, it made sense. You know, I wish in my life, I feel locked up, right? Because, yeah. you know, not, for good or for bad, but like, you know, I, I, I married, divorced, two kids, right? So I'm already yeah. on this sort of path where there's like a heap of shit I got to do just to get to the point where I can go, okay, what do I do? What do I want to do? Um, exactly. You know, where it's different when uh, if I was younger and I was in a different circle of people, you know, I, I wouldn't change it, but it would be very, it would have been very different, you know, to have gone down a path where, you know, I was empowered to do a lot of different things based on who I was, you know, yeah. I was just a, you know, grindstone person, you know, you get in, you get a job, you work your ass off, you climb up the ladder, you know, this sort of like really weird cog in a wheel sort of situation where, you know, you just keep going until you can't go anymore. And then you make a call yeah. as to whether you're going to stick around or move on. And, um, you know, and that, that burns you out as well. Like that's complete and utter bullshit too. You don't even need to do it that way. But at the time, you know, you you only know what you know, right? So there was this level of inspiration about what you were doing. I thought was really neat because, you know, you had these, I mean, for lack of uh, motivation or whatever, you know, outside of it, you had these people surrounding kind of going, well, where are you going to go? Well, how do we help you get there? And I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, something that I found, you know, fun to be part of in a limited way. Uh, yeah. I know you and I had conversations and both of us looked at each other like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> a couple of times. Oh, yeah, yeah at that yeah. stage, yeah. I was definitely having a lot of what the fuck is going yeah. on. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, there's a journey in it, right? And there was a lot of things that you had to, I guess, go through and define and understand and take yeah. ownership for. Um, yes. You know, which I was think, interesting. Yeah, and I think... Um, you know, there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened in between, you know, what I just mentioned and what we're talking about now, but absolutely. Like I look back on that whole, and I refer to it as an experience Mm. um, because, you know, and and I think that's why I kind of take what people would consider risks as just kind of like opportunities or as an experience, because Mm. um, for me, you learn so much by, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone or, you know, just doing something maybe off the cuff that isn't like so linear. Yeah. And, um, you know, I look back on that whole experience and I think straight afterwards I was like super bitter, not yeah. going to lie. Right. I, yeah. I was really hurt and I was really upset. But, um, you know, now I'm like, wow, that how that kind of opened my mind to think about things and um, to think about business mm. and just the whole like more of the the tangible like learning and learnings and methodologies that I was exposed to during that phase, you know, that has shaped the things that I am interested in learning about now and, and how I apply them to business like human centered design, for example, or um, like lean startup and all Mm -hmm. these kind of research and validation techniques. And, you know, and for that, you know, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And that's Kia sharing her journey, her moments. You can just understand 
you know, the journey you're on and, you know, use it for what it was and not be bitter about, you know, kind of where you were at with it and any of the negativity. It was really neat how Kia was able to rise above and continue to level up, as I call it, as she moved through her journey. Uh, the next chat I had, uh, you know, was with Sarah Edney, the ice hockey extraordinaire. Um, I, you know, there was a there was many reasons to interview Sarah, and one because she is a professional female athlete, uh, which was on the outset, you know, kind of what it was. But but I also wanted to understand how she did that. You know, she's risen well beyond anything I've ever achieved in life. I mean, the girl has her own Wikipedia page. And, um, you know, with, <laughs> next to being just a really nice person, uh, it was just I, I wanted to understand, you know, what does it take to get there? What did she have to do to do accomplish what she had uh, accomplished at this point in her life? So, uh, yeah, a bit of a chat with Sarah. You know, I heard The Bachelor Australia is pretty good, so The Bachelor. I into that. Oh, oh and Sarah, there's another please. show. What's it called? The Chase. That's a good one. The Chase. Oh, the Chase yeah. Chaser. Yeah, wait, the Chase wait. thing. The Chase. What is it? What is the premise of Isn't the Chase? I don't know. There's a guy, and they answer questions, and then the people have to try to get ahead of them, and they kind of oh it's game like show thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a game show. Oh right, no, I don't know that one. Yeah. There's a comedy group. There was like the Chasers War on Everything and Chaser. But that was like these guys, do, these Australian like comedians just doing massive um, social piss takes, which were quite funny. Um, I didn't know if you're yeah. getting into some some of that, but it uh, sounds like you're just uh, hooked on junk yeah. TV. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's nice. Don't do unwind. The Bachelor. Please don't do The Bachelor. It'll ruin oh, that's you. So that's like my no, that's like my guilty pleasure. I feel like it'll drop you down in my respect category Excel spreadsheet. You'll, go, you'll move in into a column, second column kind of okay i didn't even watch bachelor in paradise this year so that should bump me up again yeah well you weren't on the list now you're in a different excel spreadsheet in my mind like people that are kind of were cool and not cool anymore to me <laughs> i've shifted you around back, back and forth here. back and forth <laughs> oh you know, boy I like to keep you on your toes yeah well you do you definitely have kept me on whatever toes i have left to keep myself up um I'm going to, well, uh, let's go through a couple things, right? So uh, I guess one of the things that I always am trying to tackle with this show or this thing is, it's like trying to understand how people move through, say, hard things in their lives or big decisions. I mean, one of the things that I'm picking up here with you is that, you know, you do have a quite a focal, you know, a focus on, you know, where you're going, what you're trying to achieve. Um, I can't imagine that it was all just perfect, easy sailing for you. Um, if you think about, you know, trying to, you know, work your way to become a dentist. It sounds like it's a lot of effort and a lot of work. You've had to get multiple degrees and things like that. But then at the same time, you've also had some, some big successes in ice hockey, um, you know, as a, as a female athlete, you know, that, that's gotta be a big deal too. And I'm sure that that was full of some stuff, um, that you, you know, probably had to deal with. Um, you know, has it always been easy sailing for you or, you know, have you always found that things come more naturally or have you had to kind of make some big decisions and work through some stuff? Do you find? I don't know. I think, I mean, honestly, in high school, I, I was playing like pretty high level hockey, but I hadn't really made Team Ontario because kind of how it works in the Canadian program is you kind of go for your, you play club and then you get recruited by your province and they have nationals every year at the U18 level. Now they have U16 and a bunch of other development. But when I was going through, they do like your provincial and then you kind of move up through there into like the national team. Oh, I hadn't really made the provincial team and then I was looking into universities and I wanted to play hockey but I didn't really have the resume that a lot of the girls in the NCAA division one teams did so I in high school almost made a switch well I did make a switch I played golf pretty seriously throughout the summer before my grade 11 year I guess it was um and a ton of female golf scholarships go unclaimed right um so I honestly was about to take that path and was really serious about it. And then um, ended up making Team Ontario in my grade 11 year to go to nationals. And then honestly, from there, hockey just took off. I made that. I made Team Ontario the next year. I ended up making Team Canada and then got recruited and ended up going to Harvard. And that kind of, it honestly all happened in a matter of months. Right. I think now it's kind of crazy because kids are getting recruited early in high school. And I didn't even know I was going to university into 
like November of my senior year of high school. Right. And now it's way, way earlier than that. Um, and there's pros and cons, but the, that scene has definitely changed since mm-hmm. I got recruited. And then even just coming out of university, I you know there's a huge transition. And luckily I was still involved with Team Canada and had the opportunity to keep pursuing hockey. And obviously for women, there's not the NHL, but the Olympics are kind of the thing, if, especially if you're involved in the Canadian team. And I think I always wanted to be a dentist, but you had to take into account how long the school is. And that was another four years of life that I had to give to that. But I didn't want to give up on hockey yet. Mm. So I kind of went for it and then ended up getting cut. And that was a huge, a huge shock. Honestly, it wasn't at the time that I thought I was going to get cut. I thought I was just getting feedback and I ended up getting released. Right. And then a whole train of bad shit happened to me in a matter of like a month. I was working for this company that um, I was coaching uh, one of the, I was coaching his daughter in hockey and he had kind of set up with me for his company to do kind of stuff that they didn't really have the manpower to do. But in the beginning, he had kind of told me that if anything financially goes with the company, obviously my position was kind of just made up and nothing should happen, but kind of, I'd be like the first to go. And I, I mean, right. I understood that he was doing me a favor. So I was able to train and play hockey and coach and still kind of work. Mm-hmm. And I was benefiting them too because they really had a super small company and I was kind of helping with they were moving to a new facility and they needed a bunch of stuff to be done, but they just didn't have enough time or people. Mm. And then so I got cut from Team Canada. And then like I I honestly think it was like the next day or within the next week, I got like released from work. Mm. And then like a couple days before Christmas then. So this was in like September, October. Mm. And a couple days before that Christmas, um, I was like washing a knife and severed one of the tendons in my finger. Oh, damn. So I was like, wow, my life is just over. (laughs) Like, this is just great. Like, things in threes, right? Like, Merry Christmas to me. Yep. Um, And so I was out for hockey for the rest of the year. I had surgery, like an emergency surgery a couple weeks later. was in a brace for about five months. And then I would not wish that on there. Do not ever sever a tendon in your finger. It is literally the worst experience. Um, And then I had always wanted to travel, Mm. but I didn't really have time with hockey. And obviously in university, you can't really just go and travel. Like over Mm. the summers, you're expected to train and do whatever. And so I planned um, a three-month trip kind of around the world. And... I think we ended up going to like, we had 24 flights. We went to like 12 or 13 countries. Mm. I convinced one of my friends from hockey to kind of come with me and she like left her job and we traveled for three months. Um, like the day after I got my brace off and graduated from hand therapy after I hurt my finger, Hmm. we left to travel. Um, and it was honestly like probably one of the best experiences of my whole life. Mm. And I like planned it all and was pretty organized. But then when we'd get places, we would just kind of do stuff when we got there, but we kind of had our flights and accommodations all planned for the three months, met a bunch of people, met people around the world, realized that we, we knew a lot of people in random places around the world. Right. Um, a lot of them being Dini's roommates from university. Some of them sure. lived in California. Then we met another one of her roommates in New Zealand Mm. so it's just it was honestly random based on places that kind of were just on the way and then places I'd always want to be like would have seen on Pinterest honestly right um so that was amazing and then I came home I had applied before I went on my trip to do my master's and got in went on my trip came home started my master's honestly met some of my best friends that I have now Mm. and I think for like my mental state at the time, that was a big thing for me. And then I applied and got into school in September and last September. And just honestly was like, this has been my dream. I've heard good things about the school and got there. And I think it honestly all started after I got cut and felt like I was in the bottom of a hole and that was what I was supposed to do. And I had Mm -hmm. failed and, it opened up so many more opportunities for me 
I never would have got to travel and I would not change that for anything, Hmm. that experience that I had and was able to do that and then get another degree. And now I'm here like in the last few years, like my life has changed dramatically. Hmm. And I think I didn't let myself, I was obviously really, really upset for a while, Hmm. but I think I actually got to do, um, kind of like a, we had a leadership class in my course for public health and we did like a, this self-evaluation thing. And a lot of the time I think you, I mean, this is how they explained it is that you look at things that you need to improve on and you don't really focus on things that you do well mm-hmm. and things that people like respect you for and see. Um, so it was like kind of a positive, like self-building exercise and you had to get some friends to write like positive stories about you and I think something that my mom wrote, like, um, like I cried when I read it, just a story about kind of what I'd been through in the last couple of years and those things that happened to me after I got cut and how it just seemed to be like a series of unfortunate events one after the other. And that then when I decided to travel and kind of take back my future into my own hands and mm. she always said like, you kind of create your own happiness and you decided to go for it and it turned out. And I think that's how I've kind of been living the last few years and Mm. trying different things. And like the cliche thing, like when one door shuts, other things open, but it's honestly been very true in my life. Like, I know a lot of people that are still playing and play hockey and kind of have to put their other like career dreams on hold because that's just the reality of it. Yeah can't really do both at the same time. But I mean, I'm so lucky here to still be able to play hockey and live that part of my life Yeah, and be able to study. Um, but like I was ready to kind of give up hockey and move out here and pursue that dream. And like, I was just lucky enough to be able to still do both. So, but yeah. Well, that's awesome. And it's interesting cause that's not on your Wikipedia page. Oh, so weird. I should get someone to edit that. Totally edit that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you're probably the number one viewer. I'm I'm the only person there. Yeah. I'm the last editor. I changed it all just recently to to, that you're a germaphobe, fake vegan. vegan. So that's all there now. So that's good. And people agreed with me. I got a lot of votes of uh, confidence. Oh, perfect. Yeah. There's a whole group of people out there that really are questioning, you know, this uh, this lifestyle choice you're making with uh, bed sheets and veganism. And that's Sarah Edney. Uh, you know, look, again, a, uh, an athlete, someone who achieved the upper echelon of what she was aiming for, got knocked down, had to figure out how to deal with it, had to work through that from a, from a mental capacity to just go, well, you know, what else is there? Chase some different style dreams, created a backup plan, you know, and then uh, kind of took away from all of this the, the commentary uh, through feedback from her mom that, you know, you're can create your own dreams you can create what you want in life and uh and she sort of lived by that ever since and it's a you know it's a testament to perseverance you know it's a testament to continue to drive and work hard at at life and and even though things may not go exactly to plan it's it's never a moment that you should just go and throw it all away just for the sake of it as such you know you should get back to it and go for it um whatever that may be so the next person i talked to was Gigi. Uh, Gigi is a person whom I have uh, had the delight of working with. Uh, and again, uh, it's a moment where I just had someone I wanted to give a shot to, someone I believed in, someone that I thought could do a thing. And uh, even though they told me the entire time that they couldn't, I uh, didn't believe them. I, I, I wanted to give them a shot because I could see something else going on there. And it wasn't, you know, again, anything specific. It was a general feeling of someone's, uh, want and desire to succeed that I felt and and work hard at something and, and hone a craft. And, and that was uh, what happened there with Gigi. But it was interesting catching up with her around, uh, you know, her journey to landing in that moment and, and, and kind of finding herself just before she was looking to, you know, take a job, uh, you know, working in a field that she'd been only teaching. Uh, so here's that chat with Gigi. But then you didn't. You're not a teacher anymore. So you're right, pro- your no, product no. person. So I um, 
kind of, well, I, I moved overseas. I did the whole, you know, I laugh at it, about it, but I did it. I yeah. did the whole, you know, two years in London, you know, get your visa thing, that right. youth mobility visa. Yep. Um, uh, and it was quite good because I think like when my sister went, it was like you had to travel for six months and then you could only live, I think like 18 months sure. in the UK. Whereas mine, I had like the full two months to do whatever I wanted, really. It was yep. quite a bit of freedom. I think it was, as long as you're under 30. Um, and, you know, for me, I kind of, when I moved over there, I was like, I was ready for a change, like yeah. very much so um, in all areas of my life, you know, whether it was from career, personal, yeah. I was ready to just like, I'm done. Thanks. See you later, Sydney. It's been great, but burn you know. it down. <laughs> and I talked, yeah, you've, you've, you've taken your yeah. pound of flesh. <laughs> That's right. Um, I'm done. Um, and you know, and I talked about it. Like I always did talk about wanting to move overseas and I just, I never did it. And right. I was like, you know what? It's time. Like if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And yeah. I sold everything and got rid of everything till all I had left was one suitcase and one carry on. Mm. And I moved to London and right. I did it. I did that whole two year living, working thing. And I have to say, like, you know, people talk about it, but it was probably one of the best things that I ever did for myself. Mm. What do you reckon? Like, move, what do you reckon it was? Was it the, the change, the, the jolt of a change? Was it, you know, was it the admission that you were done and needed to reforge, reforge something new or? That's a really good question. And I think there's a couple of things mm. that made it what it was. I, one was obviously just the physical location change. It was mm. so different mm. to, it was new. I had to learn something new, yeah. a new place yeah. um, to get around, how to function within that environment, which mm. is, yeah, sure, you know, I can. Thank goodness you know, I can still speak English, sure. which really helped. Mm. Um, but even with that, there was just, you know, I remember, I remember like, um, you know, one of the greetings was always, because I taught when I was over there when I first moved. So I was like, maybe mm. a location change will sort of rekindle yeah, right. yeah. my passion for teaching, right? Sure. Um, and they always greet you with, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And I, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. Are you all right? Like, yeah. it was just, like, and it's such a dumb thing, but, you know, it just get you every, it got me every time. And yeah. Like, this, do I look like I'm not okay? Yeah. Like, yep. you know, is, does my face look wrong? I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. do I look sad? Why are you asking me if I'm all right? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the physical location change, you know, trying to learn to get around, trying to find, I guess, like, my feet again and as I said it was that time where I was trying to decide whether I wanted to continue teaching or not and mm. I have to say moving to London is not a very good way to regain your passion for teaching sure yeah <laughs> um like it wasn't a bad school I was in actually I, I've had some pretty good kids like um it was sort of I was working with a lot more of uh, like the kids who needed learning support, sure. Yep. Um, which was, I actually really enjoyed, and they were really good. But it's a different kind of school environment. Like the school mm. had a police officer assigned to the school, which I was, right. thought was really bizarre. Wow. Um, you know, it's not something that you would have in Australia, right? No. Yeah. You know, when the kids are leaving, he's standing outside. Like, you know, it was like, yeah, it's it's bizarre. Different. Yeah, different. Um, yeah. But it's a thing which is kind of funny, ties back to this conversation we're having today about how I was like, I really like having those like trays where your food is separated into yeah. like different things. I was like, Oh, I feel like I'd be really good. I'd enjoy prison for that fact. Yeah. And one of my colleagues like, um, is that actually what you get in prison or is it just like what you see on the movies? And yeah. I was like, yeah, that too. So I assume, you know, maybe yeah. in America and then we're comparing that to like American cafeterias where they also yeah. serve up food like that. And we're like, Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I had trays um, growing up. Yeah, with the little separate areas. Yeah, a spot I really for your, that. anyway. You know, cardboard milk box thing. Yeah, yeah. it's like everything has got its own little separate compartment. Yeah. And anyway, um, and we're making obviously that, you know, drawing the line between prisons yeah, and prison, schools, yeah. those similarities. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was just you know not what I wanted, and I kind of wanted to something different. I just didn't know what I wanted, and uh. 
I quit. I quit teaching. Yep. Traveled for a little bit over the summer. Got a you know admin plebby, not plebby, but like admin role. Actually, really love that job. Yeah. Um, working for local council. Okay. Met some great people. Uh, learned a lot about how hard it is to get your kid into school in London. Wow. Right. Um, crazy i mean i think it's the same here in australia now but i mean i don't have any kids nor have i sent them to school so sure, sure. um but it's quite competitive to mm. get into you know a school near you you yeah, live okay. like basically on top of the school to get uh, your kid in there right right yeah 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 okay um and you hear of parents doing the weirdest stuff like well not weird you know they're trying to get their kid into the school so you know they say they're living with um the grandmother who happens yeah. to live right next to the school or, you sure. know, that year they coincidentally moved right next to the school yep. or, Oh, that year they just happened to start going to church. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so they can send their kids to the church of England schools sure. and, or like, you know, faking their addresses. Like there's mm. a bunch of stuff that happens as well. And, um, it's very competitive. It's even hard. It's like even harder to try to like switch your kid from one school to another because mm. all the schools are full. Yeah. So like where are you going to, you know, you can't put someone somewhere where there's no room. And so like definitely one of the like best jobs that I had from just, you know, people and I had to do a lot of things and it was great. It was a really good job for me to take the time to think about what I wanted to do. Mm with my life, um, which at that time I was like 27 <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, I'm almost 30 and yeah, I'm right. like starting my life over again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. And then I ended up working for Yelp in London. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. As an account executive. Oh wow. I had no right. idea what an account executive was, but you took the um, job. Give me the job. Well, my friend, uh, well, a friend of my sister's at the time worked at Yelp in okay. New York. And okay. they're like, oh, she was like, oh, they're hiring because I went to visit sure. my sister when I was going through, like, like what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was talking about it with her friends were there as well. And so, um, you know, my sister was like, hey, you know, my friend said that they're hiring in London. You should, like, because they're looking to grow their business there, you mm -hmm. should apply. Um, so I did. And I got an interview and um, got the job. Okay. I didn't actually know what an account executive did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I got there and I was like, oh, so this is a sales job. Sales job, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, obviously my entire career and life and everything had been around education. And so yeah. I was like, the term account executive doesn't mean anything to me. Like, yeah. Why don't they just say a salesperson, right? Oh, because that nobody will apply for a salesperson job. <laughs> They'll apply oh, for an account executive true. job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, an account executive? They've basically got you because you're like, nobody knows what this is. We're going to use this to trick people into the sales force. Oh, my God. Don't talk to me about Salesforce. <laughs> oh, Salesforce. I don't even want to talk about Salesforce either. Oh. Um, yeah, I have so many, like, just, I mean, I mean, we use it now. Sure, sure. I don't, I just, it hasn't really improved right. in the last, in the last five years. It right. still kind of sucks. The same shit. Yep, exactly. I'm still really hard to use. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I landed in that role, which actually was really interesting because, it was quite like American as well. So a lot of mm. the managers were American. There was like a mixture of like Irish and English. And, mm. you know, I think I was the only Australian on the team, but like, you know, it was Canadians. It was really diverse. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was a really young environment. Everyone was like, you know, in their twenties, early thirties at the oldest kind of thing. And, mm. um, it was, Fun. I mean, it was a bit douchey. It's not the kind of culture I like, which is where, like, you know, if you make a sale, they play your song and you're going to walk up to the gong and, like, wow. hit the gong and everyone's, like, clapping and you're kind of yeah. like, oh, this is a bit awkward. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that was probably the one thing that I learned about myself there because I think all of these jobs at the end of the day are just learning experiences to help you, you know, find the job that's right for you yeah right yeah. you need to have these experiences to know and i think the experience i got out of that was i don't really like the attention <laughs> <laughs> right. like that right and it's a bit like a bit douchey yeah um and some people are into that and that's perfectly fine yeah 
but it wasn't for me and I always felt super awkward about it. And, yeah, um, that's fair. You know, and so I did that for about a year and by the end of the year, I was like, I'm, I'm pretty done with this. And, um, like I, I knew I could talk, to, I, I could talk for days. Joe, you know me. I, could I talk do. For days. I know. I yeah. mean, I'm talking for days right now, really. Well, um, not a full day, but yeah. But, um, you know, and I knew that because mm. I used to, one of their metrics was like how long you spent on the phone. Sure. And I was like, and I always get like shout outs for spending heaps of time on the phone. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just talking shit with these people. I'm yeah. not really selling them anything. Like yeah. if I do happen to sell them something, that's just a coincidence and lucky me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, there's a script you had to read and oh, like, wow. it was really, um, it was really American, which is probably why they failed. Well, yeah. not failed, but didn't do so well in um, in the UK. Yeah. Is because they took this really American mentality towards selling. Yeah. And I don't know, like, if you're aware, but I think, like, and it's like humor as well. Like, the UK and, and Australian humor are pretty similar. Yep. Um, and Australians also get American humor. Yeah. But Americans, like, quite different to English. Yes. And, you know, the way people communicate are also, like, you know, in, I find that, like, in America, that really direct in your face, like, so why won't you buy it? Yeah. Will, like, work? Yeah. Whereas, you know, in the UK, people are, like, hang up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, yeah. they don't respond to that. But, you know, that was the strategy, you know, that, that was the script you got and that was what you mm. went by and, mm. you know. Um, so, you know. I think it kind of all worked out really well for me because I liked the environment. So I knew that was the kind of environment, that young, mm. sort of light, fun environment was what I wanted to be in. Yeah. I liked tech. I mean, it wasn't really tech. Like we weren't doing tech. Yeah. But there was tech behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I liked that. And so, you know, I did learn something from it. Unfortunately, they like moved their operations to Ireland. Yep. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we all got made redundant, essentially, oh, wow. except for a few people that they were like, oh, you know, do you want to move to Dublin? <laughs> yeah, right. And help us set up um, over there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was fine, actually. Worked out. Timing was excellent because, you know, it was the start of December, which was also really hard. I felt for some people, like one guy just had a baby and I was like, oh, that's rough. Yeah. Um, but they put us on garden leave for all of December. Oh, and yeah. then... Um, and then they paid us an extra like six weeks. Okay. So yeah, timing worked out really well because I was moving back to Australia in March anyway. Yeah. So I kind of like, and also it meant I had money to move back to us. I was not very good with money over there. Yeah. Um, but it meant I could move back to Australia, which with a bit of money in my pocket. Which oh, that's was good. Because nice I, I could go back to teaching. So I went back to teaching in January and February yep. while I was still there. So I was getting like double pay essentially. Yeah. Um, and like I learned a lot and I came back to Australia and I applied for a job with General Assembly in Sydney. Oh, okay. That was the GA time when you got back. That was the GA time. I actually applied for admin, ad, admin, admissions um, person role for so someone to um, you know, process admissions and help get people into classes. Except yeah. they had just hired someone for that role. Um, but the, um, I guess the, like, what was it, the director, I'm really bad with titles at the time was like, actually we have this other role going, which we think, you know, maybe you might be good for, mm. um, which was to sort of produce and look after their full-time UX and web development courses. Right. Okay. Which also got me really interested. So I guess like I was interested in GA because of the environment from Yelp. And that got me really interested. Um, and then obviously it's education, which is another thing that like, even though I don't want to teach, it's something I'm still very passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a sweet um, spot. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And then, mm. so that was like my GA time. And from there, I just, I learned like so much. I've made some, you know, really good friends coming out of there as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's kind of got me to where I, it's like, I feel like that was probably the like, start of the journey of where I got to where I am now mm. but I kind of needed that UK experience to get me there and 
and that's the sort of snippet from Gigi. And, and it was at this point when I was kind of moving through all my interviews that I realized that, you know, the journey matters. You know, th there was a commonality of getting away, uh, getting away with friends, getting away and creating some new experience or space for some exploration in yourself that uh, resonated. You know, it, uh, it, it, it's sort of like when you leave and go to university, I guess, in a way, but this was very much a, an adult version of, you know, refocus, uh, reforging. You know, it was similar to Sarah's journey when she felt to show that she had been sort of knocked down and she wanted to figure some stuff out. The moment at which you get away and, and, and decompress it uh, is the point at which, uh, you know, you can find, you know, the silver lining and make something of it. Um, Kia even had a similar story that I, I didn't actually include, but it, it very much focused around getting away and figuring some stuff out. And um, it was inspiring to hear that, that, you know, in light of everything that they were struggling with, you know, to figure out in life, that, uh, that those were the things that helped them, you know, persevere. I just thought it was a very unique part of it. Um, the next interview is with Britt, Brittany Cristado. Uh, she uh, comes from a very different context in my life. She was initially just a, a coach of mine in CrossFit, uh, who, you know, became, became a friend, someone that I enjoyed spending time with and chatting with. And, you know, and uh, I wanted just to get a feel for who she was as a person, what she, you know, what made her tick and what you know, got her moving. Uh, she was in a big transition moment in her life, moving on to the next chapter. And I thought it'd be fun to capture just where she was at before she, you know, left the country and started this whole new thing. So this is uh, my chat with Brit. Yeah, so my dad's dad is Italian. Right. Yes. So it's only kind of, yeah. It's so you could say you're a quarter. Yeah, quarter. That's exactly You're a right. quarter Italian. Yeah. And what is your mom? Um, You know, just the average English. Probably. <laughs> the average English person. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, her mom was born in England and grew up in England. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's it really. Okay. And then you grew up in Australia? Yes, in Cairns. In Cairns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hot. So good. That shit is yeah. hot. I'm into it. Yeah. Give me that disgusting humidity. Yeah. The week. Really? Yeah. Oh live for my it. God. Feel, it just feels like home. I like, die. When I get off the plane in Cairns, like you can smell the humidity yes. there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And instantly it just like suctions around your body and you're yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's next Coming level. Mind you, in saying that, we all have pools and aircon. Yeah. But in saying that, when we were kids, we didn't. So when I went through school, mm. you one or two classrooms in the whole school were air conditioned. Yeah. Now, like you wouldn't dare go to school in Cairns and all the rooms wouldn't be air conditioning, but when we grew up. Yeah. So I think that's part of like the just getting used to it. It just was how well, it was. And standards of practice probably. Yes. The cost of air conditioning went down. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the installations, you know, yeah. it's like Moore's law, the technology isn't as expensive. Even yes. in the amount of time I've been here, things have gone down in price. Yeah. Things that once were quite expensive because they were bringing them in. Or, yeah, far more affordable now. Mm. It's been almost 20 years, so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I did graduate 10 years ago, so yeah. it would have been 20 since high school. Yeah. It's scary. Hmm. So Cairns, and then when did you move away? I moved to Sydney um, four and a half years ago. Okay. So it was a June long weekend, four yep. and a half years ago. Yeah, and this was for a career as a... Hairdresser. Yeah. So basically I did my apprenticeship in Cairns mm -hmm. and I did a school-based apprenticeship and yes. my dad said to me, can't do a school-based apprenticeship. He ran a business um, and he said they never work. They do it to get out of school mm. and they never last. And I said, well... Oh, right. Yes, I, <laughs> I I wanted to drop out of school to do it. Yeah. And they said, no, you have to stay. So I said, fine, I'm doing a school-based apprenticeship. Um, and by the time I was sort of through my apprenticeship, dad actually started hiring school-based apprenticeships because uh, I right. did quite well. I loved it. Um, and I probably stayed there for seven years. Okay. Yeah, so two, so five years after school, thereabouts. Um, and then I used to buy this DVD called At Hair Expo every year. And this DVD oh, right. would cost you about $330. And it was six upstyles. Right. So hairdressing upstyles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Sharon Blaine was her name. So she put the DVD together and yeah. you learn six upstyles. And I'd sit in the lounge room and I'd watch. And in the background of the videos, there was always like this girl, like young girl passing up bobby pins. Oh, right, and right, I always right. said to myself, like, oh, my God. Like, I wonder how she got <laughs> that job. Yeah. <laughs> so... Fast forward five and a half years later, I came to Sydney and did her boot camp. So yeah, right. It was a five-day boot camp on long hair upstyling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and basically at the end of it, I patted my eyelids and begged her for a job. And yeah. she sort of said, oh, well, come down for a skills test. And yeah. then gave me a sympathy vote because I definitely didn't have the skills, which I soon learned right. after I got the job. <laughs> sure, sure. And was playing catch up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I got the job. And I, yeah, 18 months after that, I was, you know, presenting – 
on a little stage with her at the college yeah. and passing out bobby pins. You were pins. the bobby pin yeah. girl? Yeah. Oh, shit. And but she so wasn't making DVDs anymore. Be, like <laughs> was she making DVDs still? Were you in a DVD? Well, yeah. So DVD, yeah. she was making DVDs. I, I actually worked with her doing different things. So I was yeah. probably more doing like uh, uh, right. prepping of the hair and sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but then things sort of started progressing and you started going online, blah, blah, blah. But so you DVD. literally achieved your dream. I did. That's insane. And it's so weird. because Well, I did. And then we joke because she actually, she's a beautiful woman and she... Um, took me in i live with her and i always sure. called her like my fairy godmother yeah, that's cool yeah. i was just this little no idea country kid coming down to the sure. big smoke like yeah, yeah, yeah. having a go um in the hairdressing world which can be a little bit cutthroat as you guys know yeah. with Hayley. Yeah. um and yeah so she was lovely she sort of looked after me but yeah when we we're on stage once i think i passed her the wrong bobby pin and she goes you know that dream job she's like well you're fired <laughs> i think i got fired repeatedly from passing out the bobby pins on stage from then on but no, yeah it was good oh that's cool so yeah that and it's funny enough that like, you say that jokingly about the bobby pin, but I kind of actually did achieve my dream because I didn't think too much past that. Like I kind of right. – everything just happened off, I guess, good luck and I do believe a lot about what you put out there does sure. come back. But I definitely didn't have the skill level at that stage, but hmm. I always had a good attitude and yeah. I'd be in that salon seven days a week, you know, weekends, yeah, just whatever. Yeah, just Yeah, just learning and – Well, so, that's yeah. important though. Yeah. That's, that's hard skill to learn. Yes. Like well, I, you need I've worked with a lot of it. people. Yeah, but that's my point. Yes. Right? I've worked with a lot of people. And it's interesting. I just caught this sort of bit on um, the, the why are so many uh, horrible uh, leaders in businesses, like male leaders, why are there so many of them? Why are they so bad? You know, and there's, um, there's no correlation or no dis distinguishing marks between um, confidence and capability. Yeah. Right? And so you can be super confident and shit yes. and pass. And so it's like an interesting concept to think about like, well, confidence can just be like pure bullshit. Yeah. And that wins now. Well, and I don't think it's a bad thing to an extent. I think it's not a bad no. attitude to have providing you've got the work ethic. Work ethic. That's what I, and that's what I'm saying about you. So, yes. so if you're confident but willing to put the work in, that's what matters, yeah. right? So you're going to back it. You're going to learn. You're going to recognize your deficits. You're going to go for it, right? You weren't fooling yourself. You yes. knew you had to work. And you're yes. willing to do it, right? And that's a hard skill. Like people don't do that side of it, I find more often now. And I think down the track, like working oh, for the gosh. salon that I then moved on to, um, Sloan's, uh, like there was very structured kind of management team there. And I think like that was always feedback I did get. And I always tried to stay aware of is when I did have criticism or constructive criticism, mm. I always took it on board. Yeah. You know? And yeah. It, it's actually sometimes can be confronting and a hard thing to do, but mm. I always I really do strive to do that. Because yeah. I think so many people have victim mentality or this. And, you know, whether it's uncalled for or it's subjective, it doesn't really mm. matter because you can always take something away from it. Sure. So I do really. Sure. And I think you gain a lot of respect doing that as well. If you're willing to actually take a step back and mm. someone's invested the time to give you constructive criticism, if you can yeah. kind of take that on board, it's it's of your benefit. And I think it does earn you, earn you a lot of respect. But I guess like back to like you sort of said, the confidence over yeah. capability. I think it's very much like the sink or swim mentality. Sure. And I was always like, you know, I just want to be a swimmer. Yeah. Um, but no one knows what you don't know. Yeah. You yeah. know, so yeah. the biggest, I think, competitor we'll ever come up against is ourselves. And mm -hmm. it's so easy to tell yourself constantly, oh, I'm shit at this. I'll never get that job. But yeah. why not? Like someone yeah. else will. Why yeah. shouldn't it be you? Exactly. If you're willing to do the work and whatnot, mm. it's never going to be. Um, yeah, it was some. All right. So, okay, this is perfect. So this is, ex so this podcast is very much about that battle. Yeah. Right. So it's about that inner dial, inner monologue. It's about your self-talk. It's about being emotionally intelligent. It's about having self-awareness. You know, it's about adjusting mindset. And a lot of the things that we struggle with or what people struggle with, what I'm finding now as I talk about this probably more often than I used to is, is that um, the perspectives you choose to have, the value chain you put together, all these things that drive those concepts such as, you know, my, my measures and my values right and how i look at a situation such as a job let's say mm -hmm. i won't go for that job because my measure on what i believe i'm ca the capability is to have that job is like oh well i'm not good enough so if the measure is i'm not good enough for that job therefore i will value that i can't get that right the value yeah. means i can't do something and so it all of a sudden puts you out of reach of yes. something so because your perspective of this of that is adjusted into a way that you're set up for failure you're never going to go yes right whereas if your value and your perspective is flipped to oh is that all that that takes to get that job yes it's like immediately a totally different 
objective and therefore you can reach for that job because it all of a sudden becomes, Oh, well I can learn that. That might be hard, but I can still go for that. And yeah, I might have to like hustle for this bit, but I can do that once I get there. Someone's just got to give me a shot. Right. And I'll work for that. Right. And so that's a, that's, that's disappearing. And I think like you said previously, like it is a rarity, like that sort of Mm. work ethic can be a rarity. Mm. Um, and I think that's, as long as you're willing to work, the the biggest thing coming down to Sydney, like I was in way over my head, particularly with the job and then trying to do the competition world. Sure, sure. Um, I was quite naive and innocent, which was a beautiful part about the initial stage because I had no fear in that regard. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. later when you know more people and you know the type of talk that happens, sure. that's when that fear builds a little bit. But I think the thing is in my little journey with heads, it's amazing how many people are rooting for you. Yeah. It's amazing how many people will help you sure, if you just sure. reach out and, and ask for it and mm. you take on that criticism and, you know, you, mm. you're you not actually afraid to say, hi, I'm Brittany Christotto. Like, yeah. I love your work. How do you do it? Do you need, yeah. I'd love to come and work for you for free. I'd love to mm. assist you. And I think while that's related to the hairdressing industry, it's kind of related to anything. Yeah. You know, like mm. um, I spoke to you, about sort of next ventures and sure. wanting to yeah, do yeah, a bit of yeah. a blog or a vlog and yep. you know you said hey come for a chat it's yeah. like all we were doing is having a casual sit down chat mm. but when you express a bit of a passion and a bit of get up and go i think mm. you'd be so surprised how many paths open up because you excite people yeah and people want to actually help and they want to see you do well yeah, and yeah i think that's actually a misconception as well i think we sort of go through a world where we think that you know there's always a lot of people do struggle with not the victim mentality necessarily, but that self-doubt and that mm. self-talk. But yeah, I think if you do put you put out there what you want, things just do, yeah, fall into place and paths open up and mm. people want to help and want to be involved. So yeah, yeah, all you need to do is have that confidence in yourself. And yeah. I always think like if I don't believe in myself, mm. why would anyone else? Like yeah, if I can't yeah. sell myself to me and sure, say, sure. I think yeah. I can actually do this, like yeah. why would anyone else? Yeah, You know, so I think it they're kind of – Little parts of how I've always approached jobs and, and live by, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's Brit. Uh, knowing yourself. It's interesting, again, because I think her definition of self is quite clear to her. Uh, the, the fact that she simply had set goals and achieved them uh, at such a young age and then kind of had to have that, well, what's next moment is, is very admirable, uh, you know, to have watched something uh, on a you know on TV and or, or had watched a tape and aspired to be the person helping and then going and chasing that down and having the confidence to go for that was inspiring to me. Uh, it's it's beyond anything I've ever done uh, to kind of chase. Um, primarily because I don't know if I'd look at the world have looked at the world in the same way that she did, but uh, it was very neat to you know hear about how she had you know, kind of gone for it and just fucking did it, which was crazy. And she's out again doing a very similar thing in her life, just setting some goals and trying to go for it. Uh, and I applaud her for that. That is, I was uh, inspired by hearing her journey and what she, you know, sets out to do on a regular basis. It was really cool. Um, and then uh, sort of lastly here, I've got Jiv, uh, Jiverni, uh Lewis, who... Uh, <laughs> Again, through the CrossFit community, through happenstance, just had heard actually Brit in the previous one and made some commentary and came up and said, hey, she really enjoyed it and said it was something she was interested in doing, you know, not necessarily my podcast, but podcasting in general because of her her career and what she did. And um, and I was just like, well, why don't you just do mine and try it out? And, and um, come to find out she's quite an, a seasoned uh, sort of person on radio and a seasoned person in general. She's uh, well put together and... You know, has quite a unique perspective on life, let alone, you know, just kind of how the human couples work and the relationship situation. And this is my chat with Jiv, uh, sort of kind of looking at that inspiration. Where did it come from to aspire to do the work that she does and, and the, the rational for keeping her there, which is pretty cool. Um. I was always really interested in the topics that people shied away from, you mm. know, impolite dinner party conversation, mm. sex, mm. politics, religion, mm. all those things yeah. that people would, we don't talk about that here yeah. or we don't talk about that now or, or not in, com- in the company of right. such and such. Um, always very fascinated by that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and when, so I started doing psychology at uni mm. Didn't love it. Too sciencey for me. Too mm. far in the thinking, doing, yeah. analyzing, and not far enough in the heart. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, I changed to social work. Did first year social work. 
it wasn't resonating with mm. me. I thought I'm going to end up, you know, in a maybe aged care home as a recreation right. officer or something, which right. is fine, but yeah. didn't feel like it would be particularly rewarding for mm. me. And I found social work had a little bit of a religious vibe to it and that's oh, very, right. very not me. Yeah. Um, a lot of the people that I was doing my course with had very strong religious values and it just wasn't feeling like a good fit for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, I took a year off. I went overseas. Mm. I did some nannying. Right. I was okay. a nanny for a Spice Girl, which is a story oh. for another day. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, live, I lived with Jerry Halliwell for yeah. a while, which is like my brush with fame. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Um, and I came back and I decided to start um, so social science, which mm. I call sociology. Yeah. Um, and major in gender studies because I thought, no, I'm really interested in sex and gender. Mm. So all the stuff I'd done in social work and my um, sort of earlier studies, I'd always ended up doing something around like youth sexuality or right. trans health or, you know, just right. something around sex, mm. sexuality and gender. So I finished my degree and I decided to do a master's in sexual health mm. um, and – I thought, all right, looks like I'm probably going to become an academic. Mm, I really right. just want to – I'm hungry for more info right? or s something, something yeah. to study for the rest of my life essentially. Oh, wow. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so part of the master's we had to do a, a sexual health counselling unit mm. and I was like, oh, I'll just get through this bit and, you know, move mm. on with my life and I loved it. Mm. It really resonated with me. Mm. At the time while I was doing my master's, I was working for population health. So I was doing a lot of um, public health campaign stuff, right. okay. which I really liked because it yeah. was around HIV and STIs right. and that was sort of, you know, mm. in my wheelhouse. Yeah. But doing public health work, I found, you know, ha having a population-based approach, I wasn't seeing the on-the-ground effect. I wasn't able to feel the human aspect of it. Right. So when I did this counselling unit, I was like, oh, the penny dropped. Right. I thought this is what I'm after is this one-on-one -on -one or, yeah. you know, more intimate personal mm. work. It's still in the field of sexual health and gender yeah. and sexuality yeah. that I'm really interested in. Mm. But I can feel the work yeah. landing. Yeah, I can feel my impact. Mm. It's not, you know, throwing a chlamydia campaign out there yeah. and hoping that, you know, people get tested more often. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And so I went further and, and became qualified as a, as a counsellor. Right. So, yeah, I'm basically a, a counsellor that specialises in, in mm. sex and intimacy. Mm. However, it just cannot be separated from our lives right. in that neat little box. Mm. You know, people think they're coming to talk about, you know, we don't have sex very often anymore and we end up talking about a deep seated yeah. resentment towards each other because mm. of X, Y, and Z that happened or yeah. multiple affairs or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or uh, there's a real power play between the two of them mm. that manifests across their whole life yeah. that they think the issue is, yeah. oh, we're not having sex often enough, mm. but really there's a whole dynamic that's contributing to that that mm. we also need to explore. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. Mm. Yeah, it's I love it. The dynamic between a couple, the narratives they tell each other yeah. and maintain between mm. the two of them, it's mm. like they're in cahoots. Yeah, yeah. But they're also frustrated yeah. that they're in that position. Mm. Um, the way that couples are attracted to each other mm. when they have the characteristics that most aggravate them mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. other people. Mm but are also the characteristics that they need to grow into themselves. Yeah. For me, my husband's a lot more relaxed than I am. He's mm. able to switch off beautifully. Mm. He can come home and he can go, oh, I'm glad I'm home, and he right. can sit down and veg out. Yeah. That frustrates the hell out of me because yeah, I'm yeah. like, the baby's finally asleep. We've got to get this stuff yeah, done, yeah, 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 you yeah. know. And that's what I need to learn. Yeah, right. His job is to teach me. Mm how to grow into relaxation yeah. a little bit more and step into that a little mm. bit more, mm. you know, and there's things that I can teach him about emoting a little bit more, sure. about being vulnerable, mm. about um, not succeeding at everything and right. it's still being okay, mm. you know. But these are the issues that couples come mm. into the room with. So outside of the fact that... Um you know, in that particular podcast with Jiv, I had my own personal revelations. I was 
Mm. Uh, very interested in the way at which she talks about the balance of relationships and the the thinking she's put in place and the evolution of you know what she went through to get to the point where that was the point of her career or the interest in the career she could create for herself, you know? And, um, yeah, it, you know, it made me reflect on the relationship I have with my own wife and, and my previous relationships and, you know, a number of things that, uh, kind of opened my eyes up to, you know, the intricacies of the things that I find fascinating in human interaction, let alone in the relationships we build for each other with each other. Um, so that's it. That's, that's me recapping, uh, you know, doing a sort of shout out to the women that have been on the show, um, saying thanks yet again for their participation, um, you know, to call out that inspiration I get from hearing, you know, their stories, um, you know, amongst all the stories, but, uh, you know, to hear the empowerment that they have in their own lives and, you know, the silver lining in that, you know, that, um, you know, we all strive for more and you know it's it's you know when you reach out and ask for help you can get more help and you know when you focus and you know get away and rekindle you know rekindle your desire for something or whether or not you grind out and you know just go through things and and vet them uh to figure out exactly who you are or you just simply ask what the fuck are you doing um you know all these things matter and you know some great messages uh that I've received, uh, you know, uh, through these interviews uh, from these particular women. So thanks for listening. Uh, it's, uh, you know, my sort of tip of the hat to the International Women's Day, uh, the week that's celebrated, just to call out a number of the strong women that have been on the show and and in the hopes of having even more uh, inspiring women come on and talk about their journeys with, you know, the mental health side of things that we all struggle with, their emotional intelligence, their self-awareness, you know, all the things that I've been digging into over the uh, the last few months and trying to get a better understanding of so that I can, uh, you know, just feel better about my own existence in the world. Yes, it's a narcissistic thing, possibly. Um, but again, uh, it's so that when I reach back out and have conversations with others, I, I feel like I have a better understanding of the world around me. So thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you uh, all have had a good time with the show uh, and uh, I appreciate the listenership so far. So uh, yeah, here's to next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye.